almost on one foot. And it's a reminder. We're going to start talking about your Olympic moment. And basically what we mean when we say that is, when are you, when am I, when are we at our best? That's what we want to look at over the next four weeks. When are we at our best? When are we living the life that God's purposed us to live? When are we succeeding in the ways that really matter in the eternal light that God has ordained for us? What's that? What, what are those moments? And so if, you're, uh, if you've got your worship guide, there's some notes in there we'd love for you to, to follow along and fill in some blanks if, if you want to. But today we want to talk about we are at our best when we value others. And uh, so, oh, uh, wait, I forgot. I got, I got a great title. Turn to your neighbor and hit your neighbor, not too hard, but hit them and say, show me how much you love me. For some of you all, you're feeling really good about that because it's your, your spouse or your child. For others, it's a little awkward. That's okay. Show me how much you love me. All right? We are at our best when we value others. When we, when we put others ahead. When, when Derek Redmond's dad storms past security and as they continually come, he says, no, you're not getting me away. I'm, I'm his father, and I'm going to help him get to the finish line. I, I, uh, you, you think about Carrie Strug when, when she realizes there's something more important than, than my own injury. There's a team that has gotten us to this point. We have, we have to do this. When we value others, we're at our best. And you, you know that. When you think about the best times in your life, it wasn't when you were in a corner in Barnes & Noble reading a book, right? That may have been satisfying. It may have been all right. But that's not when you were at your best. When you were at your best, uh, there was somebody else involved uh, and you were, you were giving yourself. You were valuing them and giving yourself to them and in some way. You were serving uh, and when we value others, it takes us to, it takes us to a place uh, where, where we become more and more, uh, maybe we could say more and more uh, joy-giving to God. God loves to see people come through to each other. And so we want to we kind of narrow it down because there's a lot of ways we can value others. But this morning, let's talk about one way that I think shows that we, we highly value others more than anything else. We highly value others when we pray for them. Just, just think about that just, just for a second. Read those words to yourself. We highly value others when we pray for them. Remember, Jesus has spent the better part of three and a half years with, with mostly 12 guys. And there's three that he's gotten really close to, and that's James and John, who are brothers. And then this guy named Peter, and he was actually Simon, and Jesus said, now that's not good enough, we, we need you to be a rock. And so he says, I'm really, I'm changing your name to Peter. And so he, he developed this bond with these three guys, and, and uh, he, he took them up on the mountain of transfiguration, we call it, where Jesus begins to shine, and Moses and Elijah appear, and they, they have this transformative experience, and Peter doesn't always have the right thing to say, but Peter is always, always there beside Jesus. And Jesus looks at Peter as the time winds down, and Jesus knows he's facing uh, death 
at the hands of the Roman government in the near future. And he looks at Peter because Peter is so confident. He says, I I will never abandon you. I'll never turn away from you. I'll never deny you. And Jesus knows that, that times are going to get so hard that everybody will walk away from him. And he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. Satan wants you. Satan knows that your personality and your gifts will change the world. And Satan wants you. In all, of the, in all of the things that Jesus could say to follow that up, in all of the things that Jesus could say, I, I'm doing this for you. What does Jesus say? He says, but I have prayed for you. And he even, he even goes on to say that after you fail, after you, after you deny me, Peter, Peter no, I'm not going to die. No, I, it's going to get bad. It's going to get ugly. But after that, You'll come back, you'll be restored, and I've also, I've also prayed that you'll be able then to, to lift up your brothers. You just don't know how ugly it's going to get, Peter, but I've, I've prayed for you. That's how, that's how highly I value you, Peter. And so if Jesus, if Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, if Jesus is, is willing to show us, hey, this is, this is how much I value you, I value you so much that I have prayed for you. Then how much more should it mean to us that one of the cornerstone values in our life is to pray for others? And so we want to walk through five, five ways that we can pray for, for people who are far from God. Because praying for one another, we get pretty good about that. And when we share time in small groups, that's, that's, one, of the, that's one of the times, that's one of the reasons we, we, we participate in small groups. We're, we're not... A, uh, we're not just trying to have small groups over here on the side. We believe that that's the way that life change happens. It's through small groups. And so that's why we challenge everybody coming up in the first week of September. We start our small group semester for the fall. And we want everybody who's willing to, to say, yeah, I'll meet with the group for, for 13 weeks. We'll get together each week and, and we'll talk and we'll share and we'll participate maybe in some activities together. But we're going to pray for one another. And we're going to pray for people to come to know God, people who are far from God. And so I want to focus today on how we can really value our friends, our, our neighbors, our co-workers, uh, and really pray for them uh, that they would come to know God. So let's go with number one. The first way that we, that we pray for people who are far from God is uh, we pray that the Father would draw them to Jesus. Pray that the Father would draw them to Jesus. Go to the next slide. Look at this verse, John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father draw him. And sometimes, doesn't that stink? Right, be honest. You wish that you could just make people come to Jesus, right? We wish that we could just manipulate people, right? But that's not the way it works. It's like the little boy, and he was saying his nighttime prayers, and his mom and his dad were there beside him, and, 
And he said, God, would you please give me a BMX bicycle? And so his mom says, well, you know, we don't really, we can't really just pray for our own selfish needs. So that's not really the best prayer to pray. And so they went ahead and put him to bed the next morning. The mother comes down, it's the Christmas season, and she comes downstairs and she sees uh, that something's different because in front of the tree they always have this nativity scene. She sees something's not quite right, and so she walks up and, and she sees that, that the statue, the, the figurine of Mary is gone, but there's a note there. And the note says, Dear God, if you ever want to see your mother again, you give me that BMX bicycle. And, and don't we treat God that way sometimes? You, you do this for me. And we treat it with our own selfish needs, but sometimes that's how we pray for people who are far from God. God, you've, you've got to bring them and you've got to do. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. God's not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But when it happens, it has to be the Father that draws them to Jesus. There's, there's a way this works, and it's not just by us manipulating and moving things around and writing down or saying so many words in just the right way. It's a work of God Himself drawing people to Himself. And so the, the, number, the, the, the first way that we can pray for people who are far from God is, God, would you draw people to Jesus? God, this is my friend. And... I pray that you would draw them to you. I pray that they would feel your love and your mercy. And just pray for the Father to draw that person or those people to Jesus. No manipulation necessary. Stories told about a missionary lady who was uh, leading a women's conference and, and was talking about the power of prayer with a small group that had gathered around her. And she said, yeah, when I went to the missions field 50 years ago, she said there was... Um, there were all of these missionary couples and families, and she said, I felt so alone, so I prayed, and I said, God, I, I need you to give me a husband. I, I, and I, I just knew he was going to provide uh, the, the right man for me. And one of the ladies in the small group spoke up and said, but you're still single. And she said, yeah, but out there somewhere, there's a wonderful God-fearing guy who's been running away from God for 50 years. She was so certain that she was praying the right prayer. But we want to manipulate. Let, let's try to leave manipulation tactics outside of prayer time and just say, God, would you draw that person to Jesus? Would you let them feel the loving arms, the merciful and loving arms of God surround them? The second way that we can pray for people who are far from God is to bind the spirit that blinds their minds. To bind the spirit that blinds their minds. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, uh, next slide, says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. That's, a, that's the only place that term shows up, the God of this age. But it's obvious that Paul's talking about the enemy at work, the spiritual enemy of our, of our hearts and our lives. So he says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And isn't that frustrating sometimes? You're, you, you've got somebody and you know that their life would be infinitely better if they came to know God. And, and sometimes we just try to rationalize it and say, why are they so stupid? 
You ever get honest with God and say, why is my whoever it is, family member or co-worker or whoever, why are they so dumb? Why can't they see? Well, there's a reason they can't see. Paul says because their, their minds have been blinded. And so in prayer, by the power of Jesus and in the name of Jesus, we can bind the spirit of the enemy that's blinding their minds. Paul says this is how it's happened, and if this is what has happened, then we need to pray against that so that it unhappens, so that it doesn't happen. And so, after we pray that the Father would draw them to Jesus, we say, oh, oh yes, and also I pray for, let's just, make, let's just use John Doe, it's easy enough, I pray for John Doe, my friend at work, because I, I want his mind to, to be clear and open, so, so I bind the Spirit that's blinding him from seeing the destruction of his ways and from seeing how good God really is. I don't know about you, but I'm getting excited just thinking about it about the power of God to come in and and just to open somebody's eyes so that they can see what it says, the gospel, the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ. So I want the Father to to draw this person to Jesus. I'm not trying to manipulate it. I just want God's spiritual work uh, to be done in his life or her life so that they come to Jesus and then, I bind the spirit that's blinding their minds. And then let's go to the third step. The third thing we can pray is that that we would loose the spirit of adoption. Loose the spirit of adoption. Romans chapter 8 says this. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. There's a good old word. Sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. It's like we say, oh, daddy, daddy. And so we don't just bind the spirit that would blind their minds but then we lose a spirit of adoption because everybody wants to be a part of a family a real good family and that old word sonship that just means a recognition that now you are a child of god so loose the spirit of adoption God, I'm praying for John Doe. I'm praying that the Father would, would, would draw him. I'm praying, God, that you would draw him to Jesus. I'm binding the spirit that's blinded his mind. And I'm loosing the spirit of adoption. We're not just trying to get rid of spirits. We're trying to, trying to allow there to be an openness for God's spirit to come in. And Paul says, when we receive that spirit, then we start talking to him like he's our dad. Our good, good father. So we want to lose the spirit of adoption. We want to be part of a family. Everybody wants to be loved and have the acceptance. And a lot of people, and here's what you and I both know, a lot of people have had really bad family experiences. But when the Spirit comes into our lives, it frees us. We like to say God doesn't just forgive, He cleanses and He cleanses us. And it's not that you don't remember. It's not that you don't still ha- have uh, ways in which you've, you've lived your life and things that you've created. But in a true spiritual sense, you become a child of God and you realize this is what family's supposed to be. This is how a father treats a son or a daughter. And when you feel that, Oh man, how, how does, does, that changes everything, doesn't it? It changes the, relate, the way you relate to others. It changes uh, how much we want to do for God because we realize He's got our best intentions. He always wants the best for us. So loose the spirit of adoption. And then the fourth thing there in your notes, pray that believers will cross their paths 
and enter into positive relationship with them. Pray that believers will cross their paths and enter into positive relation. And this is, this is something, it, this is interesting. The verse we're fixing to read is the only time that Jesus says, uh, hey, pray for this specific need. He shows us how to pray and He models prayers for us. Uh, but this is the only, a lot of times you, you, you learn in, in uh, Sunday school or Bible class or Bible school, you learn this is Jesus' prayer request. And this is what it is. Matthew chapter 9, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So he says, look out in the fields and imagine in your mind, you're looking up on fields and they're ripe and it's ready for harvest. He says, that's the state of the world when it comes to men and women, boys and girls to come to know God. He said, there is no lack of harvest. And sometimes we, sometimes we fool ourselves. Sometimes we watch too much news, listen to too much radio. Sometimes we get too depressed and we think, you know, there, there's just not that, not that many people that are interested. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. There is no lack of souls that are desiring to be saved. There's no lack. Ah, if, we could, if we could get that understanding, Jesus says... The problem is not the harvest. Our issue is we don't have enough people that are working to bring those souls in. Let that sink in. And so he says, ask the Lord of the harvest. Pray therefore, the King James says, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. King James says laborers, toilers, uh, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, here's where we go wrong sometimes. We think sometimes we read that and we think, oh, he's talking about we need more preachers. We need more ministers. We need more full-time ministry positions. I don't think that's what he was saying. I'm glad for every full-time ministry position. I'm glad for every preacher and proclaimer of the gospel. But you were called to shine a light. You were called to work the field that God has put you in. And uh, so what Jesus is saying is pray to God that people will be willing in the field that they're in, that they're looking at, to, to do the soul work to see people brought to God. Point to yourself, say, that's me. You don't get off the hook. You're praying for yourself. Isaiah had the vision and and God says, who, who can I send? Who will go for me? There's all this work to be done. Who's going to go? And Isaiah, it takes him having a vision and being under the influence of the Spirit to say, me, pick me. I'll go. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out workers, to send out toilers, to send out laborers into his field. Tony Campolo is a Baptist minister, and he tells a story about going to preach one time at a Pentecostal conference not too far from the college that he taught at for a long time in Pennsylvania. And so he goes and he says, I always like being a part of this, uh, this Pentecostal uh, group because, he said, they just, had, they just had this dynamism that was missing sometimes in the Baptist circles. So he said, I always look forward to going and to being 
being a part of it. And so I went, and he said, before it was my turn to go out and preach, he said, they took me back into this room, and there's about six guys, and, and they wanted to pray for me. And so he said, I got down on my knees, and they lay their hands on me, and they, start, they anointed me with oil, and they start praying. And I don't know how many of you all have been around Pentecostal folk, but when they start praying, they start praying, right? Out loud, sometimes in, in very uh, dramatic, sometimes overly dramatic ways. But, there, but there's the, he said, it's just like there's this spiritual connection. And so he said, I'm there on my knees. And he said, and they, they're praying. And, and the longer they pray, the louder they get. And he said, they've got their hands on me and they're pushing on me. He said, there's one guy down uh, he, talking to my ear saying, do you feel it? Do you feel it? And he's like, yeah, I feel it. I'm not sure what it is, but it's on the back of my neck right there. And so they're praying for him. And he said, uh, you know, we're, we're just uh, having this, this great time and they're praying for me. He said, but there's this one guy. And he said, he's praying, and he, he said, I was just confused at what was going on, because here we are, and I'm getting ready to go out and preach to this conference, and he said, they're gathered around me, and they're praying, and they're pushing, and they're, and, and they're, they're, they're just being very loud and vocal, but there's this one guy, and he starts praying, and he says, God, I pray for Charlie Stoltzfus. I pray, you, you know Charlie Stoltzfus, you know, God, I pray that he wouldn't leave his wife and his two children. God, I pray, for, I pray for Charlie that you wouldn't let him make that decision. And Tony Campolo says, I'm sitting there, I'm trying to receive these prayers, but I'm thinking, why in the world is this guy standing there praying for Charlie Stoltzfus? Now, what does this have to do with what's fixing to happen? He said, I'm actually getting a little bitter inside because you're supposed to be praying for me because I'm the one going out and preaching, not this guy named Charlie. I don't even know who this guy is. But he keeps praying. He keeps, God, would you, would you send an angel to Charlie Stoltzfus? You know Charlie, he, he lives just down the road on the right in the silver trailer. And Tony Campolo think, is thinking, what is, is God up there saying, can you give me that address once again? Who, who exactly is it that you're talking about? But this guy's praying for Charlie Stoltzfus and praying, God, don't let him make this decision and ruin his life and their lives. And God, you know who he is. Send an angel to stop him, to, to turn him. And, and, and you know where he lives. He's praying all of this. And he said, Tony Campolo says, we finish. And I'm just, I'm just confused because he said, we just had this powerful prayer time, but I, I have no, no idea what this guy is, is talking about, what he's in praying for. He says, so I go out and preach and we have a great time. He finishes the sermon and he, and he finishes the conference and he heads home and he's pulling onto the Pennsylvania Turnpike and there's a guy hitchhiking on the side of the road. And he says, I know you're not supposed to let hitchhikers in, he said, but I'm a preacher and whenever I can get a closed audience, he said, I take advantage of it. So I stop and, and invite him in and he closes the door and I take on off up the ramp and I said, hey, my name's Tony Campolo, what's your name? And the guy says, I'm Charlie Stoltzfus. And Tony Campolo says, I didn't say anything. I just kept driving. And when we got to the next exit, I got off. And as we got down to the bottom, he said, I started to turn. And Charlie looked at him and says, what are you doing? Where are you going? And Tony Campolo says, I turned to him and I said, I'm taking you back home. And Charlie says, he said, why are you doing that? He said, because you just left your wife and kids, didn't you? Right? He says, right. He doesn't say anything else. Tony drives, he finds the road, he goes down, sees a trailer, a silver trailer on 
the road, the side of the road, pulls in. Charlie looks at him and says, how in the world did you know that I live here? And Tony said, God told me. He said, because I believe God did tell me. He said, now, I'm coming in. I'm going to talk to you and your wife because God wants something better for your life. He said, Charlie went in before him and was in there for a, for a few minutes or a couple minutes before he got in. He said, I don't know what he told his wife, but when I got in, her eyes were this big. He said, and I sat them down and I started talking to them. And before I was done, they both had, had made a decision to follow Jesus. And he said, writing years later about it, he said, Charlie is now a minister down south and his family is intact and he's serving God. Because it's, it's not, and, and Tony Campo is a preacher, but just imagine, who, who is it that's in your path this week that you have been sent to rescue? Jesus says, they're all around. If you, if you just look, if you just look with spiritual eyes, they're all around. People are needing rescue and people are ripe and ready to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. All we're looking for is people to help. Bring them in to work the field of souls. And so we pray, we pray that God would send workers believers into their path that could develop positive relationship with them and have an impact. Maybe, maybe for the rest of their lives that trajectory has changed because God has done something wonderful through you. Point your finger to yourself. Say, it's me. That's who it is. And then fifthly, pray that pray and loose the spirit of wisdom and revelation on them so they may know God better. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 says, I keep asking, Paul, telling the, the, the believers at the church in Ephesus, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. So you're praying for somebody and you say, God, I, I'm asking that, that you would draw them to Jesus and I'm, I'm binding the spirit that's blinding their mind right now. The reason that they can't see what they're doing and what you have for them. And, and I'm loosing the spirit of adoption. I want them to feel like they're really a part of your family and that you're the most loving father, the most loving parent they could ever have. And I'm praying for believers to come into positive relationship with them so that they can be changed, so they can be turned toward you and finally i'm praying god would you would would you loose the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they can know you better and that's what that's what we say where it all starts at life church we don't do a whole lot of things but the number one thing that we do is we invite people to know god primarily through what you're sitting in right now what you're participating in as we worship and as we pray and and through the preaching of the word and giving and, and serving, we, we want people to come to know God. And so we pray, God, I, I pray that you would loose the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let them, let them be open and, and begin to see the wonderful things that you have for them. They can, only, they can only see it by your spirit. As you give them wisdom, as you give them the revelation. So remember how we said the, one of the highest ways you can value somebody is you pray for them. I wonder what would happen if we would begin to say, you know, God, and, and here, here's, the, here's, here's what I hope that you see. 
all five of these things, and they're not mine, there's lots of people that, that use these same scriptures, but when we pray according to scripture, sometimes, have, have you ever, can, can you just be honest with me, have you ever gotten down to pray and you just don't know what to say? Can, can, just Somebody raise your hand to make somebody else feel better. Because we've got to be honest, sometimes you get there, sometimes you're praying and it's just coming and you feel and there's this connection, but there's other times where you get down and you're like, I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to say. Well, here's, here's what. You can always be confident that when you're praying from the Word of God, that you're praying according to God's will when it's something that He's directed you to. And so in these ways, that's why these Scriptures back up. Everything that we said, all five of those points, they come directly from Scripture. And you're not going to go wrong when you're praying for somebody who's far from God and you're praying those things over them. You're not, you're not going to go wrong. And I think what you'll see is as you begin to do that and you keep up that habit, that you'll see that God is opening your eyes to ways that you can, you can help that person. Things that you can say. Or just a, a, a loving hug at some point in time. Or just a, a short email or, or text message. But just ways in which you can be a part of what you're actually praying. And you become a worker. As you pray, you become a worker in the fields. And as you pray for others, realize that someone's praying for you. And it's just this, this amazing web of what God is doing in the world. And that's the way lives are changed. That's the way we reach more and more people with the gospel of Jesus. I'm asking the worship team to come back. We're going we're gonna to finish out singing Only King Forever. But as we do, I'm, I'm going to ask the ushers to come. We have cards uh, that we want to hand out to you, and uh, we want you to be able to take this with you. So it's a business card size, and it has all five of these points on it with the Scriptures that go with it. And then on the back... There's, uh, I'll show you one. On the back, there is, uh, it says, my 12 targets of God's blessing. I want everybody to take at least one of these. But if, you're, if you want one for your car and one for your house and whatever, you can take two or three of them. That's fine. Go ahead and start just passing them out. But take one or two or three of these. And as it goes around, we want you to write down as many people as you can maybe you maybe you don't know 12 but maybe there's five or six say god these are people far from you and i'm going to use this that that in my time maybe it's a morning time or maybe it's at lunch time where you take a few minutes but you can just pull this out of your wallet out of your purse you can just pull this here and uh, you can say hey this is a dedicated time and you don't even have to know the verse if you don't have your bible with you just know that the point comes from the verse and it's scripturally based and so god i'm praying I'm praying it one more time. Just let me take you through it. God, I, I pray for, for my friend John. I'm praying that you would draw him to Jesus. I'm praying that, that he would get closer and closer. The, the, the work of your spirit would be done in his life. I bind the spirit that blinds his mind. God, I, I don't know why he's doing the things he's doing. I don't know what it is that's kept him from you, but I, I blind the spirit that's blinding his mind. And then I, I want to loose the spirit of adoption on John. God, I pray that you would let him feel more love than he's ever felt in his life and let him know that it's coming from you because you are his father. And I pray that believers would cross his path and enter into a positive relationship with him. God, just the same way that, that the preacher talked about Tony crossing the paths with Charlie Stoltzfus. 
God, that's not a coincidence. You ordained that, God. So would you bring believers into John's life so that he could he could be connected with people who are already close to you? And then, God, I ask that you would loose the spirit of wisdom and revelation on John so he might know you better. God, open his eyes and his heart so that he can see how wonderful, how wonderful you've created him and how much purpose that you've planned for him. Just like that, you've gone through a scripturally based prayer for somebody who's far from God. I believe if we would all do this, if we would write down, maybe not 12, but maybe there are 12, but at least three or four or five names where you can pull this out, you can take it with you, and again, we've got plenty. So if you want to get an extra one or two, if somebody's not here and you want them to have one, this you can just keep it with you keep it on the dashboard of your car while you while you're driving down the road be praying for people what do you think would happen if we all began to pray for three or four or five folks that we know around in this community that are far from god do you think that maybe the fall would change and we'd see seats filling up we'd have to start having two services because we've got so many people that are being drawn to jesus Father, I pray that you would help us to see that this is primary. This is how how we start valuing others. Lord, there's lots of things we can do, but let it begin with a prayer. Let it begin with a commitment that, Lord, every day I'm going to pray for these folks that I've written on this card. I'm going to pray for their lives to be changed. And, Lord, I'm not trying to manipulate them. I'm just trying, Lord, to bring them before you so you can do your great work in their lives. God, I pray that we would be people of prayer. Thank you for this dedicated time of 21 days where we're we're seeking you and we're bringing needs to you. And God, most of all, God, we want to see the harvest for what it really is, plentiful and ripe. And we want to see that you're bringing souls in. We want to see, Lord, more and more people come and be changed by the power of Jesus Christ. Would you stand right now? I wonder if you'd bow your head and just for a moment, just for a moment. If there's somebody here that says, you know what, I'm not in that place. I'm I'm not quite in that place where I've decided to follow Jesus, but I'm asking with all of our eyes closed, I wonder if you would just raise your hand and say, I want to decide today to turn away from my sins and to follow Jesus. I want to give you that chance. Before we go, I want to give you the chance to say, you know what, I don't want to live that life outside of God anymore. I want to be right in the middle of His love. Father, I pray for the person, persons right now in their heart. They're wondering. They're not quite sure. I pray that Your love would fill their hearts and that You would draw them to Jesus. God, we thank You for this moment in time. God, as You begin to work in our lives, and as we become, Lord, deep prayer warriors for the people that we know that are far from so that we can see lives change just in the same way that you changed our lives. God, thank you for changing my life. Can you thank him just for a minute? God, thank you for changing my life. Thank you for your love that has come into my life. Thank you, God, for saving me. God, I want to see that happen to people that I know and people all around this community. God, so we lift up these prayers to you and give honor and praise ready to receive tithes and offerings and please uh, those prayer requests that you filled out earlier i gave you time